You're listening to the Up Level Your Online Business Show, where wealth is empowering, purpose is crucial, and high vibes are non-negotiable. And now, here's your host, certified business coach and practical woo strategist, Sarah J. Larrero. Your Online Business Show. Today's episode is absolutely epic. It's with the incredible Chelsea Care, intuitive money mindset coach and owner of the Left Brained Hippie. I'm especially excited to have Chelsea on the podcast today because she's been one of my own personal coaches that has really helped me surpass all of my money mindset issues to finally be able to transform into the woman who has the type of business that I have today. I also wanted to make a quick mention here that this episode is going to be audio only just because we felt that that would be the best to not have any connection issues that were going on either of our ends. Are you ready? Grab a pen and start to really integrate all of the juicy stuff that Chelsea is about to share with us on the show today. And we are on. You guys, I am so excited about our guest today, Chelsea Jarvis. She is amazing. She has worked with me personally before, me as her client, and I'm really, really excited to get started today. How are you, Chelsea? I'm so good. How are you? Good, good. Super excited. Very high energy right now. Me Um, too. Yay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let me give you a little bit of background on Chelsea, and then she can kind of talk a little bit about what she does. But Chelsea is an intuitive money mindset coach for entrepreneurs looking to grow their income without sacrificing fun and flow. So throughout her sessions with her clients and kind of all the programs that she has, she really looks into tapping into your intuitive stories and beliefs about money and really rewriting them. Isn't that right, Chelsea? Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Awesome. And so Chelsea has some really, really amazing stories, um, really amazing breakthroughs that she's made throughout the past few years. She actually just moved from Montreal, so from like a little apartment in Montreal to this amazing location in Vancouver. No, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's in BC, but it's nowhere near Vancouver, actually. We're like eight hours from Vancouver, but (laughs) we're up in the uh, Kootenai Mountains, which is BC's best kept secret. So don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember just a few months ago, Chelsea, actually, um, you did like a video of these like bears coming into your backyard and you and your (laughs) when like looking at this and being like, how incredible is this? Yes, we had grizzly bears in our backyard, which sounds really scary, but um, it was it was actually really hilarious because this we do live in bear country. I I joke that BC stands for bear country. Um, the um, we live and we live on a mountain, so this was. I feel like it was shortly after the wildfire season. So, you know, animals were kind of displaced all over the place. And, um, you know, so we got home from our kids swimming lessons one day, we pull into the driveway and our neighbors are standing at their fence and they're yelling at us, like the bears are in your backyard. And we're just like, Oh crap. (laughs) So, you know, we grab the kids and run inside the house, um, you know, safety. <laughs> and we run to look out the, um, out the, the back windows of our house. And we have this little inflatable pool and there was a baby grizzly bear 
playing in her pool. And it was just the, the funniest, most cute thing. And yeah, there were three bears and one of them was just having a great old time in the pool until they noticed that we were watching and then they ran away. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny to even just watch. Like it must just feel so, so different. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that move and what inspired you to do it? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've, I lived in Montreal for 13 years and um, I moved there, let's see, in two, I guess it would have been in 2005. You know, I was just, just barely into my 20s and, you know, didn't know squat about life yet and just kind of moved there on a whim, literally on a whim. Um, I, I went there one weekend and two weeks later I was actually moved there. Like <laughs> I wasn't messing around. Like I literally just had decided, you know what? I feel like moving to Montreal. And since I was unattached and in my early twenties, no relationships, no kids, um, I was able to do that pretty easily. But this time around, because it was first of all, a much larger move. Um, plus, you know, there was my husband and kids involved this time. I couldn't just you know, pick up on a whim, move across the country with basically no belongings. Like obviously there's a lot more to it this time around. And this is the stage in life where a lot of people say, oh, I wish I could do something like that. Or I wish that was possible for me. And I'm not going to lie and say it was easy <laughs> because it definitely brought up a lot of stuff. But we decided in August of, let's see, 2017, that was when we decided, okay, BC is where we're moving. We love BC. We had just taken a trip there. We loved it, fell in love with the place. And so in the whole process, it took about a year, almost a year to fully complete the process of the move from that moment of decision to actually living in the house, you know, the, the, the full manifestation of it. And during that time, it definitely brought up Here's the thing. When you make a decision in life about anything <laughs> that you want, everything that's within you that's incompatible with what you say you want is going to start coming up. <laughs> so, you know, if you decide that you want to do a cross country move because you want, you're looking for, you know, a sense of inner peace and quiet and freedom. Well, anything that is incompatible with those things is going to start coming up in your life for you to deal with. And you know, and break the patterns. So that was really what happened through that process. Um, it was largely making peace with where I was in Montreal without, uh, let me give an example, a more concrete example of how this played out. We decided, like I said, in August of 2017, that we wanted to move to BC. Now I was initially so in a rush to make it happen that we ended up finding a house online and, you know, just a house for rent. We weren't looking to buy. And um, so we found this house for rent. It looked great. The pictures looked great. I talked to the dude on the phone and he said, great, it's yours if you want it. And so he sent us the paperwork to fill in. And as it turns out, it was a scam. <laughs> I sent in my paper and I immediately got this just horrible feeling in my stomach. Like I, I, as soon as I told my husband that we got it, like I could, I was not happy about it. I was like, something is wrong. And immediately right then my mom called me. She was just like, I was just like, don't take that house. I don't know why I'm not trying to like hold you back or anything. I really support this move, but just like, don't take that house. There's something wrong. 
And like, so both of our intuitions were just like on fire about this. And so that was when I did a little bit of Googling around and I discovered that it was a scam. And the whole lesson that I took from that was stop trying to force it. Stop trying to get out of the situation you're in now. And, you know, stop using, yeah, it was a really powerful lesson in just relaxing and allowing this move to kind of come to me in a way. And instead of trying to force it and spending all my free time online and, you know, saying like, I've, we have to be moved before winter. Cause that was kind of my goal. Like, I don't want to spend another Montreal winter. Like get me out of here before winter. Cause winters are horrible in Montreal. If you don't know, like right now, as we speak, it's like minus four degrees here Celsius. And it's like minus 40 or 50 over there. Like, it's just awful. It's so bad. So I was really invested in getting myself out and away from the situation instead of making peace with where I was and allowing the details of this move kind of come to me in the perfect timing. And so once I learned that lesson and I relaxed into it and just said, you know what, if this is our last winter, that's great. If it's not, maybe we have to be here three more years. Who knows? Like, but I would rather let things come in their perfect timing than try to force it and get scammed in the process or, you know, whatever other bad things could happen. So I started to just relax into it and say, you know what, I'm just going to make the best of it. I'm here right now. I'm not moving today. So today I'm just going to decide to have a good time with it. And once I started to do that after, you know, probably halfway through the winter, shortly after Christmas, the details started to fill themselves in the details started to become more clear. We started to get more clarity on where we wanted to live and what we were looking for and what was a must have for us and what, you know, didn't matter so much. And, you know, when we did find this house online, it was nowhere near where we thought we were going to live initially. It was nowhere near Vancouver, but I said, that's our house. I looked at it online. I was like, that's our house. I just know it. And we came to visit in May to check out the house and we ended up signing the lease that night because I was like, this is, this is our house. It's amazing for us. It feels amazing. Um, and everything just kind of started working out once I allowed it to. Beautiful. I love that. And I can, I can totally relate to, even with my international move, we were trying, like, we were trying to force so many things so, so hard until one day we were kind of like, you know what? Let's just kind of drop everything and see how the pieces land. Mm -hmm. And then it so happened that my husband's sister was like, hey, we have this abandoned house at the back of the farm. It's completely fallen apart. But why don't we just fix that house for you guys? Because we were so into like needing to have a house built before we even got here. Yeah. And we decided to just, you know, let go of all of those houses. Like uh, we still live in the abandoned house because the abandoned house is perfectly fine for the both of us. It's actually the same size as our Toronto one bedroom apartment. So it's <laughs> yeah. just really incredible how much you can just allow things to kind of fall into place, especially for me as a doer. And I know that you're a doer too. Mm. Um, this is like a huge part of the process, right? And I know that this is also a lot about what, what you ultimately teach and kind of how you've learned this yourself and how you've been able to um, grow your business from all of these principles. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, making peace with where you are and allowing is so hard <laughs> for people who tend to be, you know, over, overachievers and, you know, not even, even, not if you, not even just overachievers, but people as a society, we kind of grow up learning, like you've got to do, do, do and work hard and all this. And it's not to say that it won't take any action. Like, of course it's going to take action, but, um, there's so little that we can really accomplish through action alone. Whereas if we just allow the, the sparks of creativity to come first, instead of trying to think our way through everything, it all just becomes so much more easy and things just kind of fill themselves in around you. Kind of like if you look around you right now, the, you know, the furniture that you see or what you see looking out the window, like it, it, if you look around, it feels like things just kind of filled themselves in around you, like stuff just kind of accumulated and the details just kind of filled themselves in somehow. And we tend to perceive money, for example, as this big, like, but that's harder to receive. That's harder for it to fill in around you. And no, it's not. <laughs> it just depends on what frequency you're on. It's liter- It's science. It's physics. You know, the you will receive the details that fill in around you are perfectly compatible with the frequency that you, that you're maintaining on a consistent basis. Exactly. I love that. And I know that that's a huge part of everything that you are now sharing with the world, which is beautiful. And I remember, um, cause I'm on, obviously I'm on all of your email lists and all the stuff that you said. <laughs> um, I love it. But uh, I remember there was this one post that you were, that you shared that was all about, you know, how you went from busking in Montreal and to now own, you know, like an incredibly sustainable, I think it's a six figure business by now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, like totally lights you up, totally helps you transform other people's lives. Like, what do you really feel like you needed to do in terms of your own money mindset, in terms of your own life to help you to kind of go from, from that woman who is buskering on the streets and really just trying to make things work all the time and, and didn't really have peace with her money journey to, to where you are now. Yeah. So to give some context for those who didn't see that post, basically about three years ago now, like only three years ago, (laughs) I can't believe it's only been three years, but, um, three years ago, I was still, you know, in order to fill in the gaps, cause I was on maternity leave, you know, with my daughter and, you know, only making about 55% of my income. Cause that's, you know, if any, if any Americans are listening, they're probably thinking like that we're really lucky to have that and you'd be right. But yes, I was making only 50, 55% of my income because I was on maternity leave and my maternity leave was going by really fast. And I did not want to go back to work. So, uh, you know, in order to fill in the gaps in our income, because my husband had a job, but it wasn't like a super good paying job. You know, it was a little more than minimum wage, I think. You know, it's, it wasn't great. So we were, we were really struggling to get by. And I would go busk on the weekends in the metro stations just to, you know, get a $30 here, 50, 60 bucks there. You know, it was never big amounts of money, but, you know, I would take that money and go to the dollar store to get us some groceries. That was, I usually didn't busk unless I had to, because especially in the winter, because it was so cold. Um, But I did what I had to do. And looking back, there was one day that I was in the dollar store. I even have a picture. I, I was going through pictures over the weekend and I found the picture that I took that day of 
my groceries of the groceries that I had in my cart at the dollar store. Cause I vowed to myself in that moment, I was like, never again. Like I, I, I was, I was, I was like, I'm 32 years old. Why am I still feeding my family with, you know, $30 of groceries from the dollar store? Like that was just, that made me so mad. <laughs> like that, that made me so angry. I was like, why do I not have more figured out by now? You know, I think we all thought that by the age of 30, we'd have so much figured out. And I was just mad that that wasn't true. That wasn't the case. And so in that moment, I made a decision, like something's got to change here. This is not okay. I am not, this is not my life. Whose life is this? And, you know, as much as I wish I could say that was the last time that I ever had to go to the dollar store for groceries, you know, it's, things started changing very soon after that within a couple of months. I, you know, started my VA business. I was able to quit my full-time job. Um, You know, things started really looking up from there, but I do trace everything back to that decision of like, screw this. (laughs) Like I'm, this is not my life. This is not how I want to live. And I'm going to start doing something different right now. And that was when I really started getting, taking it more seriously, my money mindset work and, you know, doing EFT tapping and really diving into all of this inner work. And like I said, it, it only took a couple of months before things started to really drastically change. So, I mean, this this stuff works and you asked like, what did it take? What kind of shifts did it take in order to, to kind of I don't want to use the word complete that shift, but to shift from where I was three years ago to where I was now, um, I, I think the biggest thing, two things, it's kind of twofold. One was a willingness to actively do the work and not just wait for life to happen to me. My husband and I had a conversation about this yesterday because I've been actively doing mindset work for years. So the first thing is a willingness to do this mindset work actively as opposed to allowing life to happen to me and then reacting to it. So what I mean by that is I had a conversation with my husband about this yesterday because I've been actively doing this mindset work for a few years and he like, he does it when life happens to him and you know, he wants to break a pattern. So it's kind of, um, you know, it starts out as a knee jerk reaction and then realizing like, Oh crap, this means that I need to do some inner work. Um, whereas, you know, I have been doing it more actively, so the universe doesn't necessarily have to throw so much crap my way in order to get me to learn the lessons because I'm, you know, I'm willing to tune into myself and look for the more subtle cues that there's inner work to be done rather than waiting for things to explode in my face. Um, because, you know, there's the saying, Um, I think they use the word God in the saying, but you could substitute it with universe or God or whatever you're comfortable with. But um, the universe only whispers for so long before it shouts. And I love it. Yeah. So when you are willing to look for the subtle cues that something is off, that something is not in alignment, that you are not in alignment with what you want, then you're able to address it before it gets to be too big and harder to quote unquote, fix, so to speak. And um, the other thing that really helped was being willing to listen to those bigger things and look at them as lessons instead of 
taking the victim mentality that I always took my whole life and saying, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. Like I don't have any control over this and being willing to really take responsibility and look at it from a a perspective of, okay, this happened in my life. How am I going to choose to deal with this? How am I going to choose to look at this? Um, And by taking that full responsibility, that empowered me. And I no longer felt at the mercy of everything and everyone else in the world. And when you feel more empowered, you make more empowered choices. And when you make more empowered choices, that gets reflected back to you in the form of more money, more love, more respect. Um, Everything that you're putting out there gets reflected back to you. I love that. And that's something that I talk about a lot with my community is the whole, like shifting from victim mode to empowerment Mm -hmm. is just so, so beneficial for every single area of your life. And I like to think of it as a nice fine balance because sometimes it's victim mode. And then on the other side of that, sometimes it's even ego, like just like so much ego. And then when you reach the sweet spot kind of in the middle, that's where all of the magic happens. That's where you can create that inspired action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, one, one of the things that I really love about your story that I feel like I really resonate with and a lot of my clients uh, would really resonate with as well is the fact that like for a lot of people, um, we all have our own money mindset issues, right? And this is, this is exactly what you help people with. But for a lot of people, we have this whole perception of the fact that money, like lots of money can only happen or can only be accumulated by people who already come from money, right? So it's this whole dynamic of, I need to come from money in order for me to create money. If I don't come from money, I cannot create money. And it's another mm-hmm. one of those victim mindsets that we put ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I know that this is something that you have helped me with so much as well. Um, But what, what do you typically like, what are the biggest money issues that you see or money mindset issues that you see coming up with your community? Like what are like the top three and how would you help them to solve those? Hmm, Okay. So yeah, first off on the victim thing, I mean, Oprah didn't come from money and look where she is now. So, (laughs) Um, so I mean, there is that, there's always an exception to whatever rule you think you've got in your head, but um, top three money mindset issues. I think a big one is a fear of kind of taking up space. So a fear of, you know, selling a fear of asserting yourself and, you know, asking for what you want and being who you really are instead of who you think you need to be and building the business that you want to build instead of the business you think will save you. And like really just not being afraid to take up some space in the world because we, especially as women, are taught from, you know, just generations upon generations upon generations that women are to be seen and not heard. We're not business people. We're not good with money. We've been told we're, you know, not good with this stuff and that we should stay in the kitchen and, you know, all kinds of variations on this. And so with all of that generational conditioning, that society's conditioning, it's re- it's, it's not easy to overcome that. And just, it's not a switch that you can just flip and say, okay, I feel fully comfortable being myself now. Like 
it's, it's, I wish it were that easy. And honestly, if I'm, if I'm being truthful, the times when it is the easiest to make that switch is when something happens in your life. Like when you have a life event that makes you realize the true cost of not living authentically. And I I hate that. It's so cliche, but, but not living as who you really are and kind of faking your way through life and trying to be what other people want. You know, it's sometimes it takes a real kick in the butt. And, you know, if you don't want to, if you don't want the universe to turn your life upside down like that, then you got to start working on it actively so that you don't, you know, you're not just creating the shift as a knee jerk reaction. But um, yeah, I would say the number one is probably that fear of taking up space, that fear of, um, you know, people saying that she's gotten too big for her britches and, you know, who does she think she is? And uh, I think the second one would be the victim mentality. Absolutely. Victim mentality takes a lot of different forms and it feels really icky to say it. So a lot of people don't feel comfortable at first admitting that they're, you know, moving through life as a victim because it sounds gross. I mean, it doesn't sound good. It's, it feels gross to say it. So, you know, some different forms that this can take is just generally feeling like you don't have any control over your emotions. Like if people would stop doing this, then I would be able to do that. Or if people would start doing this, then I'd be able to do that. Um, If I had more money then I would be able to have, you know, a better marriage or I would be happier or, XYZ. Um, Basically, placing the responsibility for their happiness anywhere other than on themselves. That victim mentality is, um, it's really sneaky. And your brain is really great at finding ways to justify why something is not your fault. And it's a process to overcome that. And let me see, let's see the third one. I'd say a fear of judgment, which is kind of like the fear of taking up space, but different enough that it merits its own category. The fear of being told that you're wrong or being called names or, um, you know, the fear of just like uh, of people who don't have money judging you for having money, Mm -hmm. Uh, things like that. So you asked the way that, the way that I would help people through that. So let's see. The first one that I said was the fear of taking up space. The first thing that I would recommend you do is kind of write down everything that you're actually afraid will happen. And I think we actually did this during one of our first sessions, but we actually, you actually write out like, okay, let's just get all this out on paper. Cause when it's in your head, it feels really heavy and you're carrying it around. But when you put it out on paper, it's much easier to separate the thought from your mind because you're, you are not your thoughts. You are not your brain. You are not your thoughts. You are bigger than that. But your thoughts, it's just that we tend to let them run the show. So get those thoughts out on paper. So if you're afraid of taking up space, okay, I'm afraid people will think that I'm selfish. I'm afraid that people will think um, that I'm not a good mom, for example, because I'm choosing to have a career. I'm afraid that people will judge me for having a lot of money without working my working myself to the bone. I'm afraid that, you know, X, Y, Z, like there's list out at least 20 reasons. Cause I guarantee some of them are going to sound ridiculous, but a lot of them are going to resonate. 
and they're going to feel very true. So that's the first thing. And I really love using EFT tapping. Um, if you if you're not familiar with it, just check it out on YouTube. There's like a million tutorial videos, but um, there's the EFT tapping is a really great way to help break some of the, the neural pathways in your brain and rewire them and take the emotional charge away from these thoughts. So let's say, um, let's say that you've got a thought, um, I'm afraid of making more money because it'll make my spouse jealous. That's a common one that I hear. They're afraid of outshining their spouse. So let's say you've got a lot of emotional charge around that. Like on a scale of one to 10, you're like a solid eight or nine. (laughs) And it feels really scary to you to make more money than your spouse. So the first thing that I would do is have you, you know, do EFT tapping while you're voicing your concerns, while you're voicing your fears. And what this does is it acknowledges your fears. Your brain just wants to be acknowledged. Your brain just wants to feel like you're taking this into consideration before you move forward. <laughs> so, you know, do the tapping while you're acknowledging th- these fears. And you'll find after a few minutes that you know, scale of one to 10 number that was an eight or a nine, you'll notice that it's going down. It doesn't feel, that feeling doesn't feel so intense anymore. And you want to get it down to like a two, ideally. You want to kind of keep tapping at it, keep peeling away the layers of that until it doesn't really feel like a big deal anymore. And then as I have a three-step you know, framework that I, that I like to take people through. The first step is that release process of releasing all of those thoughts. The second step of it is um, reset. And that's where you, you know, you go take a nap, you meditate, you do something, go take a shower, do something that just kind of calms your mind and allows you to just not really think about much for a few minutes. It doesn't have to be for a long time. Even just five minutes is plenty. Uh, listen to a meditation audio, whatever. Just Do something that calms your mind and allows you to just be in the present moment and in your body. And then the third step is um, that is reset. And that's where you reach for a new perspective. So on this thought that, you know, I'm afraid to earn more money than my husband, you know, you can reach for a new perspective like, well, my husband has a lot of respect for me. So he would actually, he might feel a little bit threatened at first, but I think he'll agree that it's beneficial for both of us. And, um, you know, if you genuinely believe that your relationship would be in jeopardy if you made more money, then maybe that's something to consider. Maybe that's something to, you know, maybe it's worth us working through these relationship issues now before we have to deal with more money coming into the picture. And this is where a coach really comes in handy so either Sarah or me or somebody else, but it's sometimes it's hard to find that higher perspective in a situation about a belief that really resonates when you're right in the middle of it. So um, journaling to find that perspective can really help, but it's you can usually find it easier and faster if you've got some outside help because we're not invested in your situation. We're not invested in your limiting belief. Make sense? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And, uh, and I, I was actually just talking about how excited I am or how excited I was to do this interview because one of the ways, like, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Chelsea, but um, 
I totally believe that we kind of manifested each other in yeah. our relationship because it was, it was so interesting how it happened. I was talking to one of my business friends and one day she was like, Hey, do you believe in psychics? And I got immediately like really curious and I was like, why? Right? Like, what are you talking about? And she's just like, well, one of my coaches just sent an email saying that she's a psychic. And I was like, I need to see this email. I'm super curious. So she forwarded me the email and you had, you know, like you were kind of going through how you have all these intuitive abilities and you really want to use them and start using them um, in your business to help people even more. Mm -hmm. So, and then at the bottom, you're kind of like, I have five spots open for this beta program, you know, like apply here. And I was like, you know, something in my head was just like, I need to apply for this program. And, you know, it went from like zero to 100 in my head. (laughs) And then before I knew it, you know, like I was applying for this program, like I filled everything out. I didn't fill out my name. And so then you went into your Facebook group and you're like, Hey, who's this Sarah girl? Um, does anyone know her? You know, I can totally help her. I wasn't even in your Facebook group. I was in your Facebook group. I wasn't in your email list. Um, but my friend was, so then she was like, Hey, I think, I think Chelsea's trying to contact you. And like, I think it was in, in 24 to 48 hours, I had become your client. Right. Uh, it was like 24 hours. It was, it was, well, it was actually faster than that because, um, I, I had to shut down the offer early because the spots filled up. I had, I had uh, offered six spaces and I ended up getting seven and I was just like, okay, I got to shut this down. Um, it was, and it was really, it was really interesting. You were the first one, by the way, and the, your application came in first. So this is kind of proof, like clients can find you, you know, no matter where you are, no matter where they are. Um, if your energy's right around an offer, then, I mean, the spots will fill up. They have no choice. And it doesn't matter how big or small your audience is. I have a really small audience and you weren't even in that audience. <laughs> I made this offer. So um, I, I put that offer out. I think it was a Saturday afternoon. Like, I honestly wasn't really expecting anyone to really see the post until the week, but whatever. You filled out the application and I realized, oh, I forgot to put a field for asking their name and email on the application no, or I don't, I, had, I didn't have your email, but um, maybe I had your name, but not your email or something. I didn't have a way to contact you. And so that was when I had to post in my group, like, Hey, like somebody filled out this application. You're a, uh, you know, a, a yoga teacher and, you know, just kind of said a couple of things and yeah, you ended up messaging me and be like, that's me. And then you signed up right away. And you know, so did the other six people within 24 hours. I had seven seven clients. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I need to just like, woo, slow this down because, um, I don't want my schedule to be too overbearing. So, um, yeah, that's like, that's, let that be proof for all of your audience. Like it doesn't, as, as long as your energy is right around something, it, it's so effortless to fill it up. Yeah. I, I just, I love that. And I talk so much to so many of my clients about that because like, that is proof. And it's, um, it, it can be easy. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that what really comes into this for me is how much that inner work is so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's not important. It is the crux of everything. Like it's, if you try to struggle through this without, if you try to go through your business without prioritizing your mindset, you're going to have a very bad time. (laughs) 
like <laughs> there's no, no two ways around it. And you know, even the, like if you look at all the most successful entrepreneurs, they all have a rock solid mindset. They don't let, they don't sweat the small stuff. They don't let, you know, life totally rock them off of their boat. You don't, they don't let this stuff change their focus. They don't let this stuff um, take their eye off the ball. They know where they're going and they've developed that level of confidence and that level of self-assuredness that, that they need to stay on track with what they really want. And it's not about setting the goals and all that. Like, yes, that stuff comes into play, but that's, that's kind of a manifestation of where your energy is. Like even setting the right goal, that's just a manifestation of where your energy is. I mean, for a long time I set, uh, I didn't set any goals because I just felt so low energy that I was afraid, you know, okay, well, if I, I don't want to set any goals because if I set one and don't make it, then I'll be upset at myself and disappointed. But um, once I started to feel really more confident in myself and not make it mean anything if I didn't make my goal, then I started feeling confident enough to sell, uh, set goals again. And whether I made them or not, what, I don't always meet my goals. I set really big goals. So a lot of the time I don't meet them, but that's okay because it just makes me shoot high. But mm-hmm. once I, I, yeah, like the confidence had to come first before setting those goals, before putting offers out, before, um, you know, writing content on social media or in emails or anything like it had to, it has to flow from a positive inner state because what's going to happen if you try to navigate this business journey from, especially if you need money, like, oh my gosh, if you're navigating this business journey from a place of, I need this to work because I need the money, wipe the slime off of your content because it'll just ooze of desperation. And like, it'll, people can feel that people are, they don't want to be the first person to comment on a post that, you know, where the energy is off. So then nobody comments like they don't want to be pounced on. They don't want, you know, they don't, they can just feel that subconsciously and they don't, they're not even able to put their finger on it most of the time, but they just know these things. Whereas if you start from a place of, I'm not doing this, you know, like, yeah, maybe you need the money, but I'm doing this because it feels good and it feels exciting. And I'm, and I feel so good that I get to do this and I love helping people and I love serving clients and I love watching their breakthroughs and all of that. If you're doing it from that place, then you're going to come across much more um, genuine and they're going to know that you really do have their best interest at heart instead of just trying to make some quick bucks. I love that. And one of my favorite sayings for my clients and for my community, and what I'm constantly trying to really inspire my community to do is just aim so much higher than what it is that you quote unquote need to survive. When I first start working with people, it always seems like, well, I just need this amount. If I just mm-hmm. had this amount, I'd be able to pay my bills. I'd be able to do this and, and, and whatnot. And what that puts you in, it puts you in this like little box where then you're just, you're constantly trying to direct all of your energy and all of your attention around paying your bills and around, you know, having your entire business in a way that's just going to allow you to get by financially. Um, And what I find that that happens in that moment is that people try to control it a lot more, the desperation. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you aim ridiculously high and just give yourself this like phenomenal goal of uh, even the money amount is just almost even irrelevant. Um, 
it starts to become a lot funner because then it, you don't have that control over that dollar amount anymore. Mm-hmm. It feels so much more freeing. And when I started doing that, when I started giving myself just like these really high income goals, it wasn't, it just, it felt, business felt so much more fun because yeah. all of my needs were met at that point in time, right? All yep. of my needs, all of my bills, all, all of that kind of stuff. I knew all of that was going to be paid, but then it went, it, it like everything started focusing so much more on the service and so much more on the manifesting part. Yeah. Absolutely. Just make it a fun process and a game and just do it because it feels good, not because you need something to come of it. But and I know that that sounds, you know, if you're in a sticky financial situation, I know that that can sound very, you know, personal development elitist, whatever, but it's true. And even when I was really struggling financially, I still had to learn to find that space. I still had to get out of my, you know, old mindset of I need money, I need money, I need money and start focusing on I love money because and money is fun because and, you know, create a lighter energy around it because, you know, if I mean, if you want to stay stuck in a sticky financial situation that feels really sucky, well, the, by all means do it. But <laughs> if you want to get out of it, then you have to, you have to make a conscious choice to not victimize yourself and not you know, stay stuck in icky money energy. It's, it is a choice and it's not always an easy one, but it is your choice. So the other day, um, I actually found myself getting really small picture thinking when it came to money. And so it's funny that we're talking about this. I, I found myself getting into that and I was just like, wait a minute, like, wait a minute, let's just open this up again. And I started thinking about how fun it would be to just like have millions of dollars dumped on me. Like just, for no good reason, just like receiving just millions of dollars and how fun that would be to just like do snow angels in it and <laughs> just, um, you know, the type of house that I would want and just daydreaming. And within 24 hours, um, I saw that, I don't know if you've seen this, you're in Canada too, so maybe you've seen this, but there's a woman in Alberta who is, has a $1.7 million house and she is going to be instead of selling it, because she's been having trouble selling it for that price, she is opening it up for $25 an entrance fee. Um, Everyone writes a letter to her and the most compelling story, she sells them the house for $25 basically. (laughs) And so, yeah, I saw that within 24 hours and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm totally going to do that. And then, you know, yesterday my husband and I, we went out to the hot springs just on a whim because we were like, you know what, let's just, we don't have any urgent work to do today. Let's just go have fun. And on the way there, we stopped to get gas and I was at the gas station and I was in a really good mood. And I said to the guy at the counter when I was paying, just like, you know what? I feel lucky. Give me a lottery ticket. And oh, this is even funnier. Actually. I just thought of this now. My card, my card wouldn't work at the, at the gas thing outside at the, um, at the pump outside. So I had to go in. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny. I had to actually go into the store to pay because for some reason wasn't working at the pump. And um, so, yeah, when I got to the counter and I saw like all the scratch tickets, I was like, you know what? When's the next draw? I don't even know any lottery stuff. I was like, just give me one for the next draw. Quick picks. I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> and so I got myself a lottery ticket. I think the draw is tomorrow or something, but just 
things like this, whether I win or not, it's just opening up my mind to the possibilities. You know, that's two instances of 20, in 24 hours where I was inspired to situations that, you know, could potentially lead to just literally millions of dollars being dumped on me. <laughs> and so just open up your mind to see the possibility. And there's probably like a gazillion more type of these possibilities that would never even have occurred to me as being possible. So just whenever you find yourself in that really restrictive thinking, like, oh, I, I just need to find $2,000 in order to, you know, pay my bills this month. Ah, think bigger, think bigger. <laughs> exactly. I love that. I love that. And one thing that that really kind of circled back to me for as well is this whole idea of focusing on being rather than doing. And so this is a huge thing that you taught me actually. And it was in one of our sessions. And I just had this like boom light bulb moment where I was just kind of like, holy shit, this is so true. Cause you were just kind of like, I'm hearing a lot of you doing, I'm not hearing a lot of you being, and mm -hmm. there is so much value and so much worth around the being and just allowing yourself to feel, allowing yourself to imagine rather than being caught up in the, what do I need to write in my next email? What do I need to say in my next Facebook live? What do I need to do, 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 do in order to attract these clients? And mm -hmm. it really transforms that conversation into who's the person I need to be in order to be inspiring, in order to be that inspiration and in order to be that transformational force that people are going to want to work with. Yeah. You can give people step-by-step -step recipes all day long. Pinterest does it. Pinterest gives you unlimited numbers of step-by-step -step recipes, but how many people are actually doing it? <laughs> how many people are actually taking what they're pinning on Pinterest and doing it? So that's just, you know, a funny example, but the same thing goes in business. I mean, you can get a step-by-step -step blueprint anywhere for building a business, but most people aren't doing it because it's not who they are being. <laughs> they are not being the CEO of a business. They are not, they're waiting for all of that doing to somehow accumulate into the being, but it's actually the opposite. The being has to accumulate and become the doing. The being, when you, and what I mean by that is, you know, starting with the small things like daydreaming about why you would love to have more clients or why it would be fun to have more money or make more sales on autopilot or like why that would be really fun for you and allow that to create energetic momentum until it creates that inspiration within you to like, oh, I could do this. Oh, this is so brilliant. I've never thought of this before. It's, that'd be so fun. And you can't not do it. The doing is absolutely necessary, but we humans tend to put the cart be before the horse and we try to do when we're not doing from the place of being that CEO of the business. And that's just what, that's why people go for years without getting you know, creating a consistent income or even getting their first client for that matter. I've seen people go two, three years, <clears throat> excuse me, without even getting their first client because they're so stuck in that, that hamster wheel. And it's got to come from the being first, then the doing, or, you know, the feminine, feminine first, and then the masculine, if you want to look at it that way. Like it's a lot of different philosophies and ways of looking at this. But the main thing is, is you have to get onto that energetic frequency first, 
allow the momentum to build. And then the action that you're inspired to do as a result of that momentum is the right action. It's like, I think this is like the climax of everything, right? Like <laughs> on both. Um, it's, it's incredible. And, um, I think this is actually also like a really nice way to end this amazing conversation with you. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would like, I was even going to ask you like, let's, you know, have a, like a wrap up question or something about how you can up level your online business with your money mindset. But I think you pretty much took us through everything it is that you know and you teach, which is so amazing and so valuable for this entire community. So thank you. Uh, You're so welcome. Find you. What, what is everyone's next step that they can take um, to get even more amazing money mindset help for their businesses? Okay. Well, it depends on what floats your boat. So uh, I do have a money mantras meditation, which is really unique because it's designed to actually get you in a receiving state before we start planting those money mindset seeds into your brain. So um, that you can get at leftbraintippy.com forward slash money dash mantras. And if you are kind of just like, yeah, I just want more money mindset advice and inspiration and tools, then my Facebook group would be a really good place to go. Um, I'm in there pretty much every day and I give intuitive readings on Mondays. Um, I do live streams on Thursdays. It's uh, it's a really cool place and you can, it's just leftbrainedhippies.com. So leftbrainedhippie with an S at the end.com. And you'll find it there. It's the Money Mindset for Entrepreneurs group. Uh, and lastly, I've got a podcast as well. It's Money Mindset for Entrepreneurs. Since all of you are clearly podcast listeners, <laughs> um, you might enjoy finding me there. And it's, you can just find it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. Money Mindset for Entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening to the Up Level Your Online Business Show. If you enjoy our show and would like the show notes and free goodies about how to grow your online coaching business, head over to sarahjlorero.com for more information. We hope you'll tune in next time.